Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Modern Aged Middle Life, a podcast brought to you by Emily Baum and Graham Jarvis, comedy writers addressing modern day confusions for the middle aged. How do? How do to you? Uh, very polite this morning. <laughs> now, there aren't many men that can carry off a lady's T-shirt, but you do it very well. You look very nice this morning. Yes, well, the lady that I carried it off from wasn't too pleased. <laughs> <laughs> the sun is shining. Summertime is here. The birds are singing. I find myself sat in the garden with a pim. Lovely. Are they your neighbours? <laughs> the pims? Yeah. No, it's Mr and Mrs Vicar. They live next door oh. and I'm not sharing my pims with them. They can get their own. Everybody's neighbour in Grimsby was Mr and Mrs Stout. <laughs> pims is a lot more southern, isn't it? It is a lot more southern. Pims on the lawn. What a ridiculous idea. Pims in the yard doesn't quite have the same ring, does it? No, it doesn't, actually. It's like pims in my courtyard yeah. or pims on my allotment or with my window box doesn't have the same sort of ring. Nobody was allowed to say courtyard because <laughs> of the word court in Grimsby. It was a sensitive word. Don't say it. Would you have finger sandwiches with your pims? No, of course you wouldn't. Really? Sandwiches in my house because of the non-spreadable butter. Mm, better known as lard or a lump of something <laughs> yellow that didn't melt. That's why lard sandwiches came about because the butter variety was like little lumps of butter which didn't spread. So you put the two rounds of bread together and then there were these little alien bumps like it had got mumps. <laughs> You'd squeeze them out like <laughs> spots almost oh, to level the sandwich out. That sounds revolting. And then you'd end up with indentations like fingerprints in the sandwich and you'd cut it nicely into four, but it looked disgusting. Did you have lard sandwiches or dripping sandwiches as a kid? Of course. Did you? Yeah. And why was it called rounds of sandwiches? I don't understand. Why was it a round of? Is it like buying a round in a pub or was it the fact that the bread was round? The bread wasn't round. It was squarish. I can't imagine the working class sitting there debating whether or not the bread was square, oval, round or whatever. But why did you have a round of toast? If it was truly a round thing, toasters would be round and then they'd keep falling off the work surface. <laughs> it can't happen. <laughs> Pick up that toaster again, it's rolled off again. <laughs> yeah, it's trying to get out of the house. It's trying to go south. <laughs> so, sandwiches in your house, you had dripping in lard sandwiches. Do you have jam sandwiches? Yeah, jam sandwiches, absolutely. In fact, just about anything, apart from the cat, you'd get told off, could go in a sandwich. Uh, did you ever have a cucumber sandwich? Yeah, of course we did. Not the sort of cucumber sandwich I've witnessed down here. <laughs> Thinly sliced cucumber sandwiches. Nobody could faff about with that. What, so you like had half a marrow in yours or something? More or less, yeah. You just chop the required length of cucumber off, put it in a sandwich with the butter, squeeze it down as much as you could. If it couldn't quite flatten, get the hammer out. <laughs> Job done. You were so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I loved cucumber sandwiches as a kid, but I couldn't bear the thought of a cucumber sandwich now. thought of it just turns my stomach. Why? Because you have to put your little finger up when you're eating them. It's white bread, it's butter, and it's a salad, vegetable. I just find that weird. But then the dripping sandwich was animal fat. Did you butter dripping sandwiches? Well, the good bit about the dripping was, at first it was like a bit... Mm. But as you got towards the bottom of the bowl in which the dripping had been made, it was like the gravy. Mm. So it's nice brown, tasty sauce. So really there was no point in the dripping sandwich apart from getting to the bottom of the bowl where you could enjoy the last 
few spoonfuls of the dripping sauce. My daughter thinks it's hysterical when Nanny comes to stay. She finds it even more joyous when Nanny leaves. <laughs> but when she comes to stay, uh, Nanny talks about <laughs> eating crisp sandwiches and sugar sandwiches or banana sandwiches. Oh, she yeah. finds it absolutely hysterical. Why? Like Nanny is backward, that this is something that she has mental health problems and people who are batty eat banana sandwiches. <laughs> well, I used to enjoy banana sandwiches. In fact, not so long ago, I did have one. I think we can end the podcast there then, Graham. <laughs> Scientific <laughs> research has now been concluded. Thank you for your participation. Crisp sandwiches, fantastic. But sugar sandwiches, I think that's definitely gone out of date. Again, do you butter a sugar sandwich? Because that just turns my stomach. Really interesting whether you put butter on things, because Jill, if she's having something where the filling like jam or something is liquidy, yeah. I'll say, would you like butter? On? And she'll look at me as if I'm mad say, no. Like, you don't need butter when you've got a liquidy thing there. No, butter with jam sandwich is lovely, but I am interested to find out what other liquidy sandwiches we can have, because do you think there's anyone who turns around and says, I'll just pop that soup inside two little slices of bread. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've already told you about the sandwich technique in Grimsby, so after you've hammered a cucumber into a sandwich, it's pretty mushy. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty fluid. It's a fluid sandwich. Yeah. I used to love a banana sandwich. Yeah, I did. Why don't I eat banana sandwiches now? I do. As an adult? Uh, do you mean do I go into an alternative character? I'm just checking because sometimes your height puts me off that you might still be childlike, but carry on. So even <laughs> now, you will make yeah. yourself a lunch and you'll have a banana sandwich. It's not like a, a retrospective thing. There was a period down here where they started selling bananas that were already ripe. Mm. And then they did bags where half were ripe and half were still green. But it never worked properly. And we still ended up with perhaps three or four bananas, obviously past their best by time. And they were starting to go brown. And the next stage was they'd go mushy and not mm. smell right. Is this like you're boarding the loft story? Is this going to go on for an hour and a half? Because I just want to warn people. <laughs> the Life Cycle of Bananas by Graham Jarvis. Now available on DVD. <laughs> so to use up the bananas, I'd say, oh, I think I'll have a banana sandwich for lunch. No, see, I would have made a banana sandwich with a banana that hadn't turned, that it still had a little bit of bite to it, but you could mush it with a fork. Would you mush with a fork? Yeah, for sure. This is hard-hitting stuff, you know. Paxman, he'll be listening to this podcast thinking, I wish I'd thought about this. I wish I'd done a debate with President Putin about his love of banana sandwiches. You like a gooey banana sandwich. I'm just against wastage, really. So anything that looks like it's going off. Oh, you put in a sandwich. Not gone off, like, on the way off. Like a badger. <laughs> <laughs> Driving down the M25 going, got a lot of sandwiches tonight, Jill. <laughs> badger sandwich and a glass of stout. Nothing like it. Can't beat it. <laughs> Brings its own dripping, it'll be fine. Yeah. How are you on textures? Oh. Like the sugar sandwich thing and the banana thing, very texture orientated, and sometimes that makes people feel a bit funny. I'm not too worried about those things. When I was a kid, meat with gristle oh, or no. with some sort of slime. Slime? I've only had oysters once. What slimy meats were you having? Oysters? <laughs> well, that's why I didn't like them. Good Lord. When I said to a friend's mum, oh, I don't like the slime on the meat, she did give me the look that you've just given me. <laughs> what were you eating? Octopus? Slug? What was it? Another roast slug, please. It's my favourite. <laughs> I used to enjoy nice meat, but we used to have offal, which a lot oh. of people can't stand the thought of. Oh, no. And oysters 
a couple of times, but I didn't find the texture very nice. I think texture is important, but it seems to differ between people. Mm, it does. So I know some people that can't eat bananas because they say that the way that it feels in their mouth is really weird. Yeah, if they tried taking the skin off. <laughs> I didn't say they were bright. <laughs> <laughs> and then the thought of eating a sugar sandwich and grinding the granules on my teeth. Oh, that just yeah. makes me go, Ugh. That wouldn't faze me, but I don't like the thought of eating a sugar sandwich. But as a kid, we used to put ice pops in our mouths without thinking about the hot or cold sensation of food. You'd dive straight in. Another north-south. We used to put ice in our mouth. <laughs> it was cheaper. <laughs> and even then, you got it from the local lake. <laughs> straight from the docks. Don't be silly. And <laughs> a slight fish odour. <laughs> If you try and give a kid down here the cod ice cube, they'd think you were crazy. <laughs> yeah, what's this bit of fin in my ice cube, Dad? <laughs> Get it down, yeah. Do you good. Sushi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but did you have ice pops? We didn't think anything of it. We'd just literally start slurping on these things. Yeah. But the texture wasn't an issue. Now, if I have an ice cream, it's like I'm about to do a bungee jump. Really? Yes, I have to nibble round. It's a whole thing. It's a palaver. I don't bother. I don't like those desserts. Oh, palaver. Pavlova. <laughs> 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 I can never get my head around these words. No, ice cream, I still love. Do you? You haven't grown out of it? We used to live across the road of an ice cream factory. Have I mentioned this before? No! Yeah. Finally, something I'm interested in. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> they had a hatch that opened at a certain time. You'd hear the bell ringing yeah. from across the road, over the houses opposite, and you'd run around there and there'd be already a queue of perhaps half a dozen people, soon to grow to perhaps a hundred people, quite a long queue, for this freshly made ice cream. Wow. The factory sent out the vans, but we actually went there to the ice cream's mouth. And you could just take your own bowl and they just fill it up and it was really cheap, brilliant. That's amazing. Did it get 100 people's deep because of the weight that everyone was putting on with the sheer amount of ice cream? <laughs> I'd have been there all the time. Occasionally you'd be told off in your eagerness and they'd say, you're supposed to eat the dripping before you bring the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's not a good texture. <laughs> oh, that's nasty. <laughs> Mix that's it up nasty. as you go back. Mum, I think I've made a slight mistake. Did you used to get really excited when you heard the music from the ice cream van? Do you still get excited now? I still do, yeah. I knew it, I knew it. We heard the van in the distance the other day and we said, crikey, the ice cream vans are back out after lockdown and everything. Happy sound. They're a bit like Meals on Wheels for diabetics, <laughs> aren't they? What? Do you know what I mean? Because where I lived was growing up, we were on a main road so we could hear the ice cream van but we could never see it so it was the stuff of legend. Hang on, you lived on a main road. Yeah. What other sort of road is there? I come from Grimsby. <laughs> No, there was nowhere for the ice cream van to stop. Ah. So it was sad. We knew that there were other children oh. somewhere in the world getting ice cream, but it wasn't us. Oh. We weren't the type of kids to go to park. No. So we didn't really get the ice cream vans unless we went to the seaside and then it was like that. But why are ice cream sellers? They always look a little bit sinister. Maybe I associate them with the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> really miserable men. Yeah. And it should be the most joyous job in the world. Yeah. You're like, can I have a flake in my 99? No, you can't. Yeah. Oh, thanks for that. As well as ice creams, another textured dessert, candy floss. Yes. I love candy floss. When Scott was about three or four, we were at one of the 
those holidays where you have a little holiday home where they have people dressed up as seahorses and characters on the stage. Oh, like a Butlins. You can say it. That sort of thing. Butlins is cool now. You can say it now. It wasn't Butlins. Post-seasons and all of that. It's all cool again now. You'll be fine. It, it might have been... Don't be embarrassed. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Might have been ha- no one's but... going to judge you. If you rented an outhouse for a week and you went to go and see, I don't know, Gary Wilmot singing in the kids' club, no one's going to judge you. It's absolutely fine. If you wanted to go on a Butlins so that you could drive around on go-karts with your kid whilst high as a kite on cheap sangria, nobody's here to judge you. You go for it. You have a lovely, lovely time. Cheap stout. <laughs> Scott found this lady with a machine. That'll be Butlins for you. (laughs) (laughs) He'd never seen candy floss being made. He'd never seen candy floss. And I said, would you like it in the bag or on the stick? Probably best in the bag. He said, on the stick. And he wanted to show mum. He was so delighted. He was absolutely over the moon. But it was raining and our (laughs) chalet was probably one minute away. So we both ran to the chalet and when we got there, he showed mum the stick. (laughs) It was very sad. The disappointment on his face. Candy floss, it's like a miracle of engineering. (laughs) Because it's basically a cloud of sugar that somehow the temptress, the witch, the magician gets onto a stick. You have to have it on a stick. In a bag, it kind of defeats the object. It's like taking home a cloud in a bag. But on the stick, it's like a scientific marvel. (laughs) It is. Actually, it reminds me of my granny's wig. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when we were young, we couldn't afford candy floss, so we just put Granny's wig on a stick and pretended for a bit. Yeah, same sort of colour as well, actually. <laughs> yeah, very pale blue. <laughs> now, I wouldn't eat the blue candy floss, because to me, step too far. Pink? Yeah. I'll eat buckets of it. It's got to be pink. But blue? It does. It looks like a blue rinse on a 95-year-old at a bingo drive. It's a bit weird. <laughs> what about slush puppies? Because they go pink <gasps> or blue, and people oh. say, God, of the blue, drive him mad. Don't give him the blue. And of course, the kid then picks up on this and says, can I have the blue? And you go, no. <laughs> can I have the red and the yellow and the blue? Yeah. Oh, go on then. And he's mouthing at the assistants, put more blue in. Slush puppies are a bit like a gateway drug. <laughs> they really yeah. are. You start with them and you think, this looks good. And when you're a kid, it's like, oh, I've got to have, I've got to, like you say, I've got to have the blue one. And then the first time you have it, your brain is a bit like, don't get this, it's blue, but it tastes of raspberry. Yeah. Until as you get older, you realise that there is a vat of chemicals in there that make it enjoyable. <laughs> but even now, every time I go past a slush puppy machine, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, give me the slush puppies. <laughs> <laughs> give me the slush. But it always gives you tummy ache because you're eating frozen water. I don't like frozen water. I mean, ice creams are okay, but slush puppies and things with icing seem to be somehow that much colder. I don't know how cold ice can be before it's illegal. <laughs> Have they got a thing? Ice must not be more than minus 20 degrees because it's actually going to kill you. But again, it's like this weird scientific approach. You have a big slurp of it because you're really excited because you want some slush puppy because you know you're going to get a wicked sugar high. And then with the excitement comes a brain freeze, which is like somebody's taken a four by four and smacked you in the forehead. Yeah. So it's like, I really love it. It's hurting. I really want more. It's still hurting. <laughs> Why am I doing this to myself? This isn't right. <laughs> this is self-harm. I don't get brain freeze. Don't you? I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that time we took a torch to your ear and we could see it out the other side. No one could explain it. <laughs> Jill gets brain freeze often and Scott. Mm. And I can't understand 
why, if you get brain freeze, you continue enjoying the drink. I know. If you were eating something and somebody punched you in the forehead, you would stop eating it. So why do we keep doing it? Are we born stupid? I think so. But there are those diagrams, aren't there, in the dentist's waiting room of how much sugar there are in various things. An innocent-looking drink like a slush puppy, and underneath there's a polythene bag pinned with about 15,000 cubes of sugar in it. And it's showing you what you should and shouldn't eat. And as you go through, you think, oh, it's dripping sandwiches then. <laughs> there's nothing left. Low in sugar. <laughs> Phenomenal at clogging your arteries. There is nothing left. It's so difficult to choose bits and pieces that you can have that make sense. But also, I think with age and hindsight, you suddenly realise why perhaps you shouldn't eat them. Like Angel Delight. Angel Delight. Oh, I've forgotten about Angel Delight. It's amazing. Yeah. Again, it's a food wonder of the world. You take milk and a powder and you mix it and you get a giant blancmange that glows in the dark. Are you a smooth Angel Delight person or are you a lumpy? No. You're so desperate. You put the milk in and the powder and you just end up with one great big lump. <laughs> I had to train myself to whip properly because I'd had too many lumpy angel delights. And a lumpy angel <laughs> delight is not a delight at all. No. We used to have flavours like strawberry and butterscotch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I think of angel delight now, it actually makes me feel gippy. Oh, no, I feel like going out and getting an angel <laughs> delight. <laughs> it's like when I was at university, I was hooked on Vesta dried meals. Oh, yes. I was so disappointed when somebody mentioned one. I said, you know, I think I'm going to go and try one of those and see whether it's the same. So I was absolutely gutted when I found that Vesta beef risotto, which of course has got no beef in it. I don't think it's got any risotto <laughs> It was shown it. to a cow in 1973. <laughs> That's as close as it got. <laughs> <laughs> There's a campaign to bring it back. Yeah. You've stopped making Vesta beef risotto. How dare you? And butterscotch, you've just mentioned. When you eat butter scotch, you know, the actual butterscotch bar, hmm. that would stick to your teeth so much, wouldn't it, that you'd end up with a wide mouth look for the rest of the day. Yeah. Because you couldn't unpick it from your teeth. We used to pretend that we were a cowboy chewing tobacco, like in uh, Westerns, oh, yeah. with those sorts of toffees, because they would just cake your teeth. They did. One of these butterscotch <laughs> things would last you about half a day. <laughs> And even then we'd have to spit bits out because it was still going. And you'd always have a bit of paper on it. There was always a bit of paper you could never get off. Whenever I used to do dinner, or as you lot would call it, lunch, you know, around noon, if I was doing a dessert, it would always be Angel Delight. And I'd completely really? forgotten about that till you just said you'd go in there all happy and say to your dad and brother, oh, I've done Angel Delight. And they'd look, oh, again. Because <laughs> you felt like you were cooking. Yeah. Because you took a packet and you added milk and then you had to put it in the fridge. Hang on, hang on. And then you put it in the fridge. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I did actually put mine in a pan on the gas. <laughs> Perhaps that's why Dad and my brother didn't like it. <laughs> I got an Angel Delight to give to my daughter and I was all excited, said, you're going to love this. And we made it. And I looked at the pan thinking, oh, that looks absolutely revolting. Uh, she looked at it and thought, I'm not quite convinced by this, but she troughed it. <laughs> it was disgusting. But I used to love it. It was considered posh, wasn't it? Thinking back now, God knows what was in it. It's like smashed potatoes. Do you remember smash? Do you know, that was the main cause. Smash <laughs> was a saviour. Smash. 
mash with ketchup in it. Yeah. Oh, it was lovely. They don't make it anymore, do they? I don't know. And it had that taste, didn't it? It wasn't mashed potato. It was some different product. It tasted amazing. There was something else in it. What was I being fed? Uh, did you put a knob of butter in? My mum's secret recipe involved lumps and uh, not mixing it properly and doing it in a hurry. And there was usually a bit of fagash in it, oh. but it was amazing. <laughs> you added ketchup to it and it was like, oh! You think they'd have flavoured smash? Yeah. I mean, they missed a trick there. Apparently they tried to launch a healthier recipe in 2006. Well, that's the death knell. Is there anyone in the world that's listed foods by their healthiness <laughs> and said, oh, I can't have all that lot. So for the rest of my life, I'm going to eat, probably it's just water. There's nothing left. Can you remember when the scare stories came out? Like, it's good to have a glass of orange juice each day or eat a carrot. And then you'd get articles of man dies after drinking 50 gallons of orange juice in a day. <laughs> you think, yeah, well, that's not really a comment on the orange juice, is it? That is the comment <laughs> on that man. Everything's sort of hot and cold, isn't it? Because you get, have a glass of red wine a day, apparently reduces your likelihood to have cancer. I have half a bottle of red wine every day, you're going to die of cancer. It's like, I don't understand. <laughs> it doesn't make any yeah. sense. Similarly, sugar is really bad for you. So why does chocolate make you feel so great? Well, then you've got the people that say it's not about any one thing. It's about having a very varied diet. I do have a varied diet. I have cream eggs. I have shrimps. I have magic mushrooms. I have teeth. I have angel delight. I mean, they're all different colours <laughs> and they are all different food groups. One's a mushroom. One's a shrimp. I mean, there you are. When I was a kid, definitely... The meal you had was a formula. It had to have meat, veg, that was it. Yeah. The chance of there not being potato was tiny. It'd be either mashed potato or roast potato. No fag ash, I'm glad to say. You missed out. It was the perfect seasoning. Nowadays, you don't know. If you go around to somebody's house for dinner, you don't know whether you're going to get meat and veg or whether you're going to get pasta. Or... We love a curry, don't we? We love a curry. But I didn't like a curry as a child. No. I didn't like cheese on food as a child. And now... What? Oh, I'm, like, open to everything. I eat curry, I eat cheese. I mean, crazy. Posh people in Grimsby had a cheese grater. <gasps> Whereas my mother, when friends came around, she'd just chop up cheese with a knife. So it was just <laughs> little lumps. You didn't have such a thing as grated cheese. I was astonished when I found that people did that. It's like, oh, yeah. isn't that dangerous? It is. Well, that's why we weren't allowed it in our house. Probably we'd all have lost our fingers. You know? It's considered a high-octane sport now, grated. Is it? Yeah, they're all doing it. You know, they'll be up Everest and then they'll finish it with a 25-mile run through the Sahara and then they'll have a grating competition with some mozzarella, which is highly dangerous because it's a squidgy cheese. Likely to get a finger in that. But you didn't like cheese as a child? No, couldn't melt cheese on anything. It's like, ugh. Cheeseburger? No, I'd always have the hamburger. I didn't have a cheeseburger until I was about 14. Wow. Because I wasn't convinced that it was normal. And what about omelettes? Because I didn't have an omelette till I was quite old, because, again, omelettes weren't part of my family history. No, omelettes, did we have omelettes? Yeah, I think we did have omelettes, but omelettes not like the way we have omelettes today. <laughs> what do you mean? In a sandwich? Do you remember the frisbee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was firm. Firm and grey. Oh, oh, a grey <laughs> omelette, not a good, not a good thought. Not a good thought.
thought. This is all the parts of your childhood. You know, this is all the yeah. things that at the time you live with. We only had boiled egg and fried egg. Did you? Any other egg, not possible. Did you have school dinners? Yeah, I loved them. See, I loved school dinners as well, absolutely. And my daughter, she gets pizza, she gets full English breakfast, she gets curries. Now, we had hard fish fingers yeah. and Arctic roll that was slightly yellowing. And I loved it. Immediately after this podcast, I'm going to go and get Angel <laughs> Delight. I'm going to get fish fingers. <laughs> Arctic roll. Oh, Arctic roll. They'll still do that. I bet they still do that. I don't know. But I loved all of that, even the tinned vegetables. And you knew they were tinned. Were they? Hey, stop destroying my childhood. <laughs> and all the beans were square. It was most peculiar. But I loved them. I loved all of it. It was great. It was like exotic. How come the beans were square if they came out of a round can? Well, they were a funny old shape. <laughs> it wasn't right in squared carrots. Everything was square. The veg was square. The fish fingers were fingery. <laughs> and then you'd finish it with Arctic Roll or Angel Delight or trifle, miniature trifles. I mean, the food quality was atrocious, but to me at the time, it was amazing. But none of us died. Most of the school dinner people were dinner ladies. There were very mm. few men serving behind the counter. You'd know whether they were nice or nasty mm. as you tried to do your best puppy eyes to get more of the thing you liked. Can I have one more fish finger? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, move on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm starving. Yeah, tough luck. You can get the tuck shop afterwards. Go and buy sweets at the shop on your way home like normal people. And even the person behind the counter, if you knew them, a friend of their children, and you'd think, oh, she's going to give me extra helpings of the stuff I like. And no. And you're like, why? And it's like, well, favouritism. <laughs> but you used to have really nice shepherd's pies and all this. Mm. It was really good. Yeah, tasty, well-cooked food. Am I looking at this all through rose-tinted glasses? Was it absolutely minging? But at the time, I was so hungry. Yeah. I would have eaten that dinner lady's finger if she popped it on my plate. If you are looking at it through rose-tinted glasses, and if I am, we're also looking at our mother's offering through roasting <laughs> glasses and it's still an A to B comparison that comes out pretty good those school dinners <laughs> it's true it is absolutely true it's like how do you know that your mum wasn't a very good cook uh, was it your first diagnosis of rickets or <laughs> <laughs> I think it was when you'd gone through the frying pan and the old rag and bone man came to collect <laughs> and you'd show him the pan and he'd go I'm glad I don't live in your house and he wouldn't take it. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. I wasn't living in Steptoe and Sun. I think we probably ended up thinking of sweets as a, well, it was a treat, but also we were probably hungry because the normal food was so poor. Because yeah. <laughs> of convenience foods and those early days of instant foods. And of course, we didn't have a microwave. No. We didn't have a microwave. Everything that was done quickly was done in a frying pan. My mum fried everything. Yeah. We had crispy pancakes, Binder's crispy pancakes. Remember them? I think my mum was just drawn to foods that looked like something you could throw across the room at an irritating child. <laughs> there was a lot of frying in those days. Yeah, I'm surprised we're still alive. Our arteries are just like a slip and slide. That's how clogged they are. Yeah. Oh, great. Would you like a hot chocolate? Oh, yes, please. You've fried this hot chocolate. You're not supposed to fry the hot chocolate. It's as bad as dripping in the ice cream. <laughs> Modern Aged Middle Life was brought to you by Graham Jarvis and Emily Baum. If you liked it, tell a friend or rate and review the podcast. That will help others find us. Thanks.